We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, ladies and gents, to another player season review uh, edition of the Nets Brooklyn Buzz. With me, as always, the incomparable, the best man on Nets Earth, Nick Faye. How are we, mate? Oh, Jack, I appreciate that intro. But I am a happy guy because today, not only are we talking about my favorite player, Karis LeVert, but Deadpool, I'm going to see that later today. So Marvel and Karis LeVert equals a good day. No spoilers for me, mate. No spoilers for our fans either. I've, I've, I've seen it. So uh, I will say it is an enjoyable film. That is that is all I'll say. And this will be an enjoyable podcast. For sure. <laughs> uh, Karis LeVert, mate, um, let us know your thoughts about him. Obviously, uh, we may have some hint of bias here, but obviously, because Nick is... He's, do you, ha- you still got that jersey, yeah, of Karis LeVert? Uh, no, I will not. I will not purchase a jersey for Karis LeVert. Oh, for- the curse, the curse. Yes. If anybody didn't know already, any jersey that I purchase for the Nets, that player is usually traded within months. So I got the authentic Jason Kidd jersey, traded to the Mavs, got my Vince Carter jersey, traded to the Magic, got my Brooke Lopez jersey. Recently, this past summer, you know, when they had that super sale, I didn't even get to wear it one time before he was traded. So I will not buy a Karis LeVert jersey, especially because he's kind of like a guy a lot of teams are interested. I believe last year, Nets Daily mentioned that teams were calling about Levert, so I will not purchase a jersey unless Definitely. until he signs his extension. <laughs> and you should probably buy a Mozgov jersey then in that <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should. I'll save Nets Nation by a Mozgov jersey. In in that sense, uh, Nick, what were your thoughts on his season? Obviously, it was a bit up and down for Karras, but he built a, a strong campaign towards the end of the year. Yeah, I think it was a really positive season. I think going to the season, I expected improvements, but I didn't necessarily expect the improvements in the areas he improved. You know, I think I expected more of a scoring punch this season, but he really picked it up as a playmaker. I think that was the one thing that stuck out, his pick-and-roll ability, his interior passing. I think that was elite. You know, defensively, he continued to show flashes, and, you know, he just looked a lot more confident by midseason. You mentioned that's, that start in October was really rough, and I did a quick math. I'm not a mathematician, so if these numbers are wrong, don't yell at me. But his numbers 
if you don't include the month of October, he shot over 44% from the field and over 30, 36% from three. Those are awesome numbers. Those are legit. Like, you know, 36% from three, that's your legitimate threat from that area. And I did a piece for O2GPassable.com. Make sure you're... Great piece. Uh, it's obviously an analytical piece on his shot charts, his passing, his assisting, his whole season review. And, and not just for me. Don't follow just for me, guys. But there's some awesome content on the finals and such. But the, the season review where it was about his assists, his shot charts, and how he's obviously... that was I remember we were talking about earlier in the buzz uh, in his formation. We were saying how... Levert's shooting struggles are sort of affecting him. And he's when he would reiterate his comments, he's like, you know, look, it's up and down. It's just the, the shot is going to fall eventually. So the mindset from a lot of our guys, we talked about Jared Allen, the last one as well. D'Lo obviously has that swagger about him as well. It seems like that the the attitude of, of these Nets players is one thing. And I also mentioned in my piece towards as well, he mentioned on Ryan Rico's pod, the attitude for Carlos Levert is one thing that I think is going to hold him in good stead, not just his overall skill set. Yeah, no, for sure. You're right. The attitude is great. I mean, I, that's why I love Levert. I love the personality. Obviously, if you, you know, he released a uh, piece on the Player Tribune the year he was drafted, and I thought that was great talking about his situation with his family and what happened to his dad. And, you know, it just makes you kind of love Levert even a little bit more. And you mentioned it, you know, even offensively, when he did struggle defensively, he showed a lot of flashes. He led the Nets in uh, deflections per game, second in loose balls per game, and he was one of their best transition players. So I think there's just like a lot of positives to take from him. And you mentioned the shooting and like, you know, his shot didn't fall, but the jump shot isn't bad. And you see him putting in a lot of work. So I feel pretty confident that he'll be able to kind of establish that as he progresses as an NBA player. And like we've talked about on the buzz a lot, injuries took away a lot of playing time for Levert in his college career. Getting NBA experience, playing in games, I think he's just getting better every game he plays. It's just a different experience. Yeah, and in, in February, in that post-All-Star, pre-All-Star break, when him and Rondé were out for a certain period, that's where the Nets really did struggle and sort of missed our two sort of key uh, major sort of rotation pieces. And he talked about the shooting. I made a comparison of him and LeBron James in their perimeter shooting because they really like that uh, top left sort of uh, perimeter shot where it's like, you know, obviously LeBron takes that sort of step back shot a little bit. Uh, Kostovitz is more of a pull up and his form just looks really good from there. He shoots uh, almost 37, 37% from there on the year, 70 of 190. So he's taken enough shots from there. Um, he's not taking a heap of corner shots. So, and obviously, that's probably one of the best you know, three-point shots you'd like to see. But in terms of his positioning, that's generally where we see Jared Allen. Uh, we, we saw Tyler Zeller a lot at the start of the year. So it's generally where the power forwards and centers are. If we can start to get some sort of easier sort of corner shots for the guys like Harris, then I think in terms of the system with, with Coach Kenny's offensive system, it's going to increase not only his scoring production, but I think the teams as a whole as well. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, get some of the guards some more easy spots, some of the wings. Also, I think one thing where Karras, where he can improve, it's making cuts to the rim. You know, being such a lanky guy, having that wingspan able to kind of finish in the paint. I believe in the shot chart you had in your article, he shot around, I want to say, 61 or 63% around the rim. which is Yep, 61.5, Nicholas. You're right on it there. Yeah, and I think that's a very nice number, you know, and that's a number he can really improve. And I'll say this, and this is maybe a little bit biased, but I feel like he didn't get much respect going to the rim. And obviously the next season, you know, the longer you're in the NBA, the more likely the refs are to respect you. So I expect him to get some more free throws next year. And then, you know, one thing we've talked about, these young Nets just hitting the gym. You know, I'm just envisioning like a 
a more brawl like Karis LeVert. And that's kind of intimidating for a defender because he has that nice hesitation move, probably one of the, the best hesitation moves on the Nets and maybe in the Eastern Conference. And if he can kind of just use those strides, similar to Kevin Durant, obviously he's not the same length, but getting some muscle on there, I'd be really scared of Karis LeVert getting to the rim, you know, and he has a couple nice finishes. I think you had a nice video in your piece, you know, with the, uh, the reverse layup, you know, some scoop layups. I think his layup package improving that too and getting some muscle will be huge. Yeah, they call him Baby KD. That's his only nickname on basketball reference. I was trying to, obviously, when you're writing a piece on a, a player in, in, in general, you want to try and change it up as much as you can. Use the pronoun, use the last name, use the first name. So I'm like, I can't really call him Baby Kevin Durant because obviously he's not at that stage right yet. But yeah, you mentioned his, his free throw shooting and him getting to the line. He averaged 2.6 free throw attempts a game. Now, that's, that's a number that's okay. But I mentioned in my piece as well, I'd like to see that he get to 3.5 to 4. And if he can have nights where he's shooting 5, 6, even 7 or 8 times, he's going to get some easy buckets here because he's got a nice form. Um, and the Nets obviously look their best when they're penetrating and kicking out. And you know, we, we mentioned his passing game. One of the best things about this season, and I mentioned it right at the top because it, for me it was one of my favorite parts of the Nets season as a whole, was his 1-2 game with Jared Allen. Um, and his ability to penetrate the defense and find Jared Allen down low in those little openings is basically what started that sort of tandem, that partnership, and also increased the play of Jared Allen tenfold. Yeah, for sure. And I believe, you know, that really started, like, we saw glimpses of it. But after that Mexico City game against OKC, I feel like that was a game where you're like, all right, wow, Karras definitely has some more scoring punch than people thought. And that passing really popped up. Jared Allen got a lot of dunks from Karras. And I think that leads me to my next point is I think if he developed, you know, a nice little teardrop or like floater in the paint where he's able, like you said, to get off that pick and roll and get himself some space. And then you have to worry about Jared Allen cutting to the rim. That's almost impossible to defend. Yeah, I mean, if you add that into D'Lo as well, like I mentioned, what is Karis LeVert's spot in terms of his best lineup? And I'm sure we'll chat about that. But if him, D'Lo and Karis can sort of get a nice sort of game around that sort of slight mid-range, just, uh, just a bit before, just a bit after that free throw line where you can sort of, you know, be more of a threat there. That's one area that Stephen Curry's really improved on. And it certainly, it was obvious, it was a weakness of his of sorts. He was known as just being a, a plain sharp shooter. Now, obviously, Karis has a completely different skill set. But it shows that, you know, you can develop your skill set in a way where, you know, you, Jared, Jared Allen was one of those guys we saw. You know, he wasn't known to be a good free throw shooter. This year, he shot over 70% from the free throw line. So there's obviously so many parts of his game for Karras that he can improve on. And we saw so many, like a lot of our Nets guys, that they just improved out of sight. And I, I mentioned the stat in terms of how many assists of his uh, 4.2 per game that he was getting to Allen. Uh, a sixth of them, 0.7 assists, were going to... Uh, Jared Allen, only second to Joe Harris. So obviously uh, both a huge part of that second lineup. Um, but also he did have an extra one and a half, 1.6 passes to Harris in general. So I guess if you average it out, the fact that both of those guys were so effective with him, it shows you know who he works well with. He works well with a really nice sharpshooter. And those are probably two of our most effective. If you go into the effective field goal percentages, I don't have with them with me now. But those two guys I'm sure would be at the top with Harris and Allen. Yeah, and I believe, I want to say Joe Harris was like top 20 in the league in, in effective field goal percentage this year. And just having, and one thing that probably brought that number down a little bit is the fact that Jared Allen started. You know, yeah. they lost a lot of minutes. In the second half of the season, it felt like, you know, Levert and Allen weren't getting as many minutes together. So I think if they, you know, had more time together, that assist number might even be a little bit higher. Yeah, I certainly think that. I reckon, and obviously, there were times where Carlos Levert is, uh, I mentioned that he can be uh, a triple-double threat. 
in yeah. terms of his he has such a wide skill set he has nice size in terms of his height to be able to get some nice rebounding uh, i've mentioned before on the pod that ronde uh, has emphasized before to the media he's like you know our our system emphasizes guard rebounding delo's a nice size six five or above i think Karis Levert's like six six almost six seven um, and he has some nice height about him and, so, and he's got some great um great length so if he and obviously that leads to transition buckets and he can initiate the offense in a way where it's like if he's running with Jared Allen in that open court, that's something that I really, really like. That pick and roll is going to be absolutely deadly. We run back and forth, keep that pace up because we look really good when our pace is up really high. We're sort of like a, a no, obviously the, the Rockets look really good when their pace is up a little bit higher, but I'd probably compare us not in terms of obviously being the elite, elite version of them, but the Warriors in terms of how utilitarian their offense is. They're, they're getting that ball whizzing around a lot. They might have a lot of turnovers some games. Um, obviously, they did against the Rockets, as you guys mentioned, uh, on, the, on the outlet. But when we're moving the ball, taking care of it, and getting nice, quick uh, transition play, that's when the Nets look their best. And I think Karis LeVert is a real key to that. Yeah, and I think that's one area that'll help LeVert. The more the Nets get running, because I believe based off NBA stats, you know, by play type stats, he was the best transition player on the Nets, finishing in the NBA in the 63 percentile. So not amazing, but in terms of the Nets, he's a guy who has some nice speed. I think his speed's a little bit underrated. Not a crazy vertical, but like we mentioned, 6'7", 6'10", wingspan. He's a guy that has some nice length, and I'd actually like to see him try to throw it down a little bit more. Yeah, like Rondé, we 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 emphasized for him. Like there were times where Rondé would just like use his body and bully himself down there. I think you obviously we've mentioned with so many of our young guys in terms of uh, their infancy, in terms of their maturation, that this off season, obviously they're in LA right now. I'm sure there's there's plenty of awesome gyms down there in Los Angeles. I wish we could be you know a, a, a fly on the wall checking out what's going on with the Nets off season right now. There've been plenty of gym sessions. I'm sure Damari will be inspiring them, um, the leader that he is, but. I think, yeah, obviously it'll help in, in tenfold. Uh, hopefully it doesn't take away, obviously, from his quickness. I doubt that it will. Um, but he's got such a, uh, in terms of his length, there was one thing I mentioned in, in my piece that sometimes he would give away some silly fouls. Do you think that's one thing that uh, Karras could improve on going into next season defensively? Yeah, that's what, yeah, I agree. I think, uh, like, for Karras, We've seen the flashes. I think a lot of it is just polishing his game. And like I said, some of that's going to come with game experience. Some of that's going to come with studying. Some of that's going to come in the offseason in the gym. But I think, you know, that would be an area, you know, defensive positioning, you know, playing without your hands. I think he has quick hands. He can get the steals. He can get the deflections. Just keep him behind. You don't really need to attack. Just some of the nuances of the game. You know, studying, I think he needs to study a little bit more film on players. One issue for him is getting over screens. You know, he went under screens at times. And that was like one thing that Kenny would bench him for. There was a, I want to say when they lost to OKC on the road where Paul George fouled uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and then Westbrook hit that shot, even though the Nets should have won. I believe Karras got benched in that fourth quarter because he went under two or three screens of Raymond Felton. So if he, you know, goes over screens, he just needs to be fully engaged defensively. And then the offensive end, just a tighter handle, like I said, more cups to the rim, you know, the teardrop, and then just polish that jumper. I think just polishing and game experience is going to be such a big benefit to Karras. Yeah, and we've, we saw such a huge in-season improvement already from Karras. So the obviously, you know, there's going to be inconsistencies with these young guys. You know, they, we barely have anyone over 25 on our roster, and our best players are under 25 unless you, you add in, obviously, to Mario Carroll and Joe Harris. But in terms of the most upside, um, obviously, Karras and D'Lo and Allen and the rest and, and Rondé. So I, I think, yeah, in terms of the being able to have this whole off-season to now polish his game, uh, with his teammates, getting in the gym, you know, obviously having some nice, you know, one-on-one sessions with the coaches, whether it's Coach Kenny or the assistants. 
I think it's going to do the world of good. And you know, obviously you mentioned those film sessions as well. I think it's going to come with game knowledge as well. Being able to know he's had this whole season now, he should have a, a good breadth of knowledge of what de- decent defenses like to do, whether it's individually in the pick and roll or whether it's in the team. Because I think that our pick and roll defense as a team was one thing that really let us down. Whether it was our centers, someone like a, a Jared Allen or, or Timothy Mozgov-Zella sagging off too much and giving too much room to guys to take some easy mid-ranges, or whether it was our guards sort of giving away sloppy fouls, whether it was D'Lo or Karras, or at times Spencer Dinwiddie giving away sloppy fouls. You know, and, and obviously that will help. You know, just in terms of cohesion, because you know you want momentum and you want sort of effectiveness as a whole going into the quarter. Those sort of little dinky fouls, those little um, bad plays, can sort of halt the momentum of a team, and especially with a team like the Nets, who are all about the momentum and that rhythm, uh, that's going to help us uh, improve into being an elite team. Yeah, and it's like you said, Jack, kind of just playing defense for the entire time you're out there and being fully engaged. Like, you can't take a second off in the NBA. You know, a guy's going to get an open shot and hit it. And I think pick-and-roll defense was an area that Karras needs to improve, improve, as well as the Nets in general, like you said. Sometimes it's the center, sometimes it's the guard. Maybe they'll adjust the, the scheme a little bit. But as an ISO defender, he finished in the 70, uh, 70 percentile of the NBA. So I think one-on-one defense, he was not bad. It's just when you get him in that pick-and-roll situation, he just had struggles with the screen. And like we said, it could be part of the team partially on him I think that's just some areas that the Nets are going to attack this summer and I think overall he could be more physical as a defender and that would kind of help get rid of some of the ticky tacky fouls because I feel like in a a defensive mindset and when referees officiate if a guy's physical all the time they're not going to cause many of the soft fouls but when you're you're soft all the time and then you do get a little bit more physical they're more likely to call you for the foul well yeah we look at a guy like Draymond Green yeah exactly perfect example the most physical probably defender in the NBA. You know, you don't know when to call a foul on him. Obviously, it's probably pretty, you know, you can call a technical on him almost <laughs> on every play. Um, but obviously, and I think that was symptomatic of the Nets as a whole and in terms of their whole season. You know, we're this sort of up-and-coming rookie team. You know, we didn't get the calls. The last two minutes uh, reports were certainly not favorable, as Chris Herring indicated to us. They hurt but our it, soul. They, it hurt our soul. It hurt Spencer Dinwiddie's soul. Uh, but he's obviously up for most improved player, so great job by him. A little bit of a, a tidbit there. But I, I had some questions in my piece, Nick, that I'm gonna I'll post to you as well. And obviously, Nets fans hit us up. Uh, you know, email Brooklyn Buzz. You know, at OTG Basketball on Twitter at the JMNJBT at OTG Nick. What's his best position? Uh, do you see him uh, as a starter? Do you see him as an off-ball guard? Do you see him as a floor general? Uh, where does Carlos Levert fit as his to reach his ceiling? It's that's a very difficult question, Jack. And I, I feel like in the age of position, uh, positionless basketball, it doesn't quite matter as much. But I feel like he does, you know, benefit having the ball in his hands. And maybe some of that could come as learning more off-ball stuff. It's tough to say with D'Angelo. I don't want. I don't think their their numbers together were very good. And I think some of that's you know learning and also defensive struggles of D'Angelo and just you know a combination of things. It's really tough to say. I, I want to say point guard, though. I think that at point guard and running the show, it doesn't necessarily have to be the true point guard role, but it could be the lead guard role where he has the ball in his hands and running that pick and roll. He just seems to be very effective. And that could prevent him from being a starter with D'Angelo, or they could kind of learn to play together a little bit more. You know, I think yeah. small forward is a little bit, you know, I think don't think he's bulky enough for that. And I think, you know, he wouldn't get the ball enough. But I think, you know, one of the guard spots, I like him as a starter personally because I like all the skills he has in his game. You know, I don't want to say he has no flaws in his game, but he has the potential to really have no flaws in his game because of the ability that he already has and shown. Yeah, we mentioned polish, obviously, being a key thing for him to sort of being that sort of finished product. 
And obviously, yeah, it is so hard, especially with the glut of point guards that the Nets have right now. Four point guards, Jeremy Lin, Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, Karis Levert. All four of those guys have you know, legitimate claims to be a, a starter. Spencer Dinwiddie had a, an amazing season in the absence of a lot of our guys when we had guys that went down like D'Lo and such. D'Lo is obviously our, our franchise piece going forward, the guy that we're building around. Uh, Karis Levert has shown leaps and bounds in terms of his his skill set and his ability in the pick and roll and his passing. And Jeremy Lin, obviously, as well, probably uh, low-key franchise guy if you're talking about marketing and if you're talking about his uh, experience in the league and if you're talking about you know his numbers that he's put up. He has a legitimate claim. So I don't know. It would be interesting to see. I, I, would be, I would be remiss to say if Kenny Atkinson doesn't play some three-guard lineups with Carlos Levert in them, depending on who we match up against. Obviously, because Carlos Levert has that size about him, uh, D'Lo has some size about him as well. And obviously, probably Jeremy Lin is probably the, the, the shortest of, of the four. So uh, I think he's a starter. It just depends on... There's obviously going to be injuries for our Nets. We've seen that across you know, the past uh, half decade, um, if, I'm, if I'm being honest. Yeah, so really, be, right. <laughs> since New Jersey. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. It's, it's going to be... Ever since I became a Nets fan, essentially, it's going to be interesting to see how he's used. I, I like how, obviously... Drew Holiday developed his game this season for the New Orleans Pelicans as an off-ball guy. Um, I still think he has he's a great on-ball uh, player, but in terms of you know when Rajan Rondo came in, it's sort of where it, that's when Drew Holiday really flourished. Um, obviously, he had a great season overall, and we saw his playoff numbers. But I, I think that there could be some similarities in that sense with the Karis LeVert. Um, you know, they're both they're both quite physical. They're both Drew Holiday is a great defender, an elite defender. I think Karis LeVert has the capabilities to do so. Obviously, a lot of uh, guys may be a little bit lesser on him. Um, and I, I read a quote from Bill Simmons. I heard a quote from Bill Simmons on, on his pod. He's like, when you watch guys so much, you're so high on them. So it's hard to remain as objective. I feel like that's us sometimes with the Nets, but we always do remain that objectivity with by providing you know some analysis and, and you know some evidence to provide it. So I think Karis LeVert, his fit is going to be uh, certainly intriguing. And when the Nets are healthy, uh, it's going to be a positive but it's going to be interesting to see if that's a detriment to him or some other of our guards in the lineup going forward. Where does he rank in, in those four for you, Nick? Mm, this is tough. This is where like some of my bias comes in. But I also I want to get at that Drew Holiday comparison. I honestly have never really thought about that, but I really like it. I think that's a nice all-around player he could be like. Because what I think about Karras, I think he has honestly the potential to be one of the best all-around players in the Nets with his skill set. The ability to score, the ability to pass, we mentioned, you know, in the improvements needed to be a rebounder, but the improvements defensively too. And I think his basketball IQ can develop a little bit more. And like we said, that is another thing, getting back to the experience, just playing more. And I think, you know, playing so much at point guard, he should be able to learn a little bit about playing off ball, where he can help D'Angelo. And I think one thing that's very nice too is that him and D'Angelo obviously have a relationship and they knew each other before they came to Brooklyn together. So I think uh, that would definitely be big. I'm going to go, it's tough. Like, if we're talking like the most potential, I think he has more potential than Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think he probably has more yeah, potential yeah. than uh, D'Angelo Russell, but I would say maybe you could argue that Karras might have a higher floor than D'Angelo Russell. Like I, I could, I'm, I don't want to talk negative, but eventually we have to at some points. Like D'Angelo could end up not being an amazing player and not being an All Star, and you know end up just being you know an inconsistent player his whole career. And Karras could end up being one of these role guys where he has like I don't want to say like a glue guy, but he has the ability to fill in a lot of different roles. 
and Dinwiddie, like he he improved a lot, and obviously he's great, but he doesn't have the wingspan that Lavert has. He doesn't have the hesitation move. His basketball IQ is extremely high, and I think Lavert is obviously a little bit younger. And I think Jeremy Lin is. I'm I'm looking personally, and I'm not trying to throw shade at Lin, but coming back from a patella tendon tear, you know, obviously this point in his career having a ton of injuries, I think he's the lowest man on the totem pole until he proves otherwise and gets healthy. You know, some I know Jeremy Lin fans are going to come from a head top. But, you know, you have to prove it, especially after injury like that. So I'd probably go D'Lo, Levert, Dinwiddie, and Lynn. Now, and that's basing it off of Levert improving a lot this offseason. I think last year you could probably argue that Dinwiddie was the best out of all four. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So it's just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the improvements. And I think, I like you said, Jack, I think playing this whole season should really help Levert and he'll be able, be able to learn a lot of different things. Even uh, you you mentioned the Ryan Rucco podcast, and one thing he mentioned on there was that he improved his eating habits a little bit. You know, his first year, he wasn't really caring that much he was eating. Now he's, a, you know, more about getting healthy food. He also loves Chipotle, so I also love him a little bit more for that. <laughs> Who doesn't love Chipotle? They don't have, funnily enough, um, obviously, for fans who've been listening to the buzz and can understand my accent, um, in Australia, we don't have Chipotle. So that's one thing that... Um, Do you have Moe's at least? No, we, we have this place called uh, Guzman y Gomez, which is our version of it. And... I must say, it does pale in comparison. And London has Chipotle. I've been living in London uh, off and on for the past two years. So that's one thing I do miss about. I'll be back in London soon. I'll be doing some buzzes from there. So hopefully I can have some Chipotle as a, a bit of prep for the buzz and, and the outlets and, and JVT. But that's one Get thing I'm... A, what's your favorite food from Chipotle? A little off topic. Uh, I, lo- I, I can't go past uh, a burrito. Um, I just love the a burrito and some, and some just some tortilla chips with guac. Um, yeah, chicken burrito is it for me. Like, I, yeah. I load that baby up and I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, there's times where, like, you go a bowl, but I I feel like the, the burrito is the most filling. And uh, you've got this – and obviously, whoever doesn't go guac, you know, you know treat yourself, guys. You know, there's yeah. only so many times – so much time you have on this earth. It's a finite amount of time. You know, it, it's – you'd be remiss not to spend it having guac for that extra dollar or two. Um, wherever you're living, uh, it, it's especially worth it. those chips are so good too. Like I don't know yeah. why they're just like the most basic chips, but it, with, especially dipping them in the guac, it's like, whew. yeah, it's almost a meal in itself. Like if if it were acceptable, I feel like a Seinfeld episode did this. We're, we're going off on a tangent here, but this is our buzz. Um, but the <laughs> the they said like, why can't chips and and dip chips and guac be a meal? Like I feel like I could almost have it on a daily basis. You know, avocado, nice healthy fats and stuff, and then. You know, if the tortilla chips are, you know, obviously there's some fats in there and stuff, but I could easily have that for a lunch. But um, in terms of Carousel going forward, Nick, um, what do you think, what lineups best utilize his talents? I talked about, obviously, Joe Harris and and Jared Allen being his two sort of guys where he got his most assists with. And that's obviously, Joe Harris is probably a best second unit guy. Jared Allen is obviously a starter. Both of those guys have moments of starting. Carousel probably had a little bit less. Um, do you think he needs guys that can sort of space the floor around him? Obviously, he can as well. And you mentioned his cutting. I really like that. If he were to be alongside D'Lo, show him some game film of Stephen Curry and show him cut like crazy. Show him game film of Clay Thompson and how they move off. Show him some game film of Richard Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. From his Nets days as a slasher, I think that's an area where Karras can improve as a slasher. You know, getting to the rim, I think uh, looking at, you know, I obviously did a lot of research in stats because I love Karras. And his uh, his cuts to the rim were very low. It wasn't very frequent at all. And I think that's an area he can easily improve in, maybe some of that being the offense. But best fit, I would say, with a shooter either being Alan Crabb or Joe Harris. 
And then, you know, and, uh, a big that has the ability to finish an hoop, you know, being Jared Allen, the only one on the roster, I think that's an area where the Nets add another one this season. I think that would be huge for them because obviously all the point guards have benefited playing with Jared Allen. So if they're able to add another big that can finish the hoop. I think that would be huge for the squad, but that's for another show. <laughs> yeah, the offseason is going to be absolutely insane in terms of where the Nets go. Um, I mentioned, obviously, the comparison of a Drew Holiday. Uh, Drew Holiday, obviously, is a, a not an all-star, but is... Fringe all-star, I would say, because he has the potential, but oh, you know, yeah. this is probably his best season. Yeah, this has been his best season. And I feel like a lot of guys haven't given him enough credit. I feel like Carol Savert's going to be one of those guys that he's playing alongside a D-Lo, like another sort of superstar and a Jared Allen going forward he seems like the perfect sort of third piece third sort of star uh mind you but i feel like yeah his ceiling could be as as high as as a drew holiday now drew holiday is an all defense candidate uh, on a consistent basis great shooter one of the best defenders he was guarding kd in their series um and but at the same time carol silvert has you know greater sort of physical capabilities in terms of his wingspan in terms of his height so i feel like that's a decent comp for him do you do you, do you think that that's where his ceiling could be yeah, especially, if, I mean, the way we saw Drew Holiday play in the first round of the playoffs, he was amazing. I mean, you know, he has that potential. And I think for Holiday, it's like a guy that when he was in Philly, you know, he looked very good. Then he had that broken leg injury and that we never really healed right. And then he had that, you know, that sad thing with his wife needing surgery and all that and having to take time off to deal with that. Obviously, she's good now, which is great. So that kind of hurt him a little bit in terms of, you know, just staying in rhythm. So I think Holiday is a guy going to next season. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little bit more, you know, all-star nods or something, especially if the Pelicans play really well again. Obviously, with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis there last season, you don't really talk about Holiday as much. And like you said, that could be the same thing for LeVert moving forward. The one thing I probably, I haven't, I don't want to say I watch a ton of Drew Holiday, but I like LeVert's passing ability maybe not his you know his court vision I don't think is elite but his ability to fit passes in tough spots how many times did he get a nice wraparound pass to Jared Allen or a nice little bounce pass to Jared Allen like I think his actual passing ability his court vision needs work but his actual passing is very very good yeah and Drew Holiday for the season averaged six assists a game so that's a number I think that Coast can go for you know his last game against the Warriors he had a triple double and so we were talking about before the fact that Carol Silver has all these capabilities to average a triple-double. Um, you know, his steal numbers are, are, are really high in terms of for our nets. It's just like Drew Holiday seems like a, a, a polished product of a Carol Silver in, in many ways. Then there's so many differences and, and nuances in their games. But Drew Holiday is only 27 years old at the same time. He yeah. has a long time left in this league. And Carol Silver at 23. Four or five years' time. If he's at the Drew Holiday stage, I'd be very, very happy as a Nets fan. Yeah, I agree. I think I'd be very happy, especially with the defense alone. I think that's something. And finally, you know, Holiday, he's been a good defender for a while. His offense hasn't always been consistent, but defensively, he's been a nice defender. And I think that's something. And obviously, Karras having that wingspan and length could help him a little bit more possibly in the future. So especially if he plays that, you know, point guard or shooting guard position, he's going to have the height advantage. And I think we saw this a little bit with D'Angelo. We saw this with Lavert a few times where he's straight up able to see over the defender. I want to say in one instance he were playing Orlando, and I can't remember if it was D'Angelo or it might have been both of them, where there was a play where DJ Augustine was guarding them, and they were able to literally just throw the ball over his head. Yeah, I mean, when you have that capability, you look at Ben Simmons right now. Exactly. Playing, playing the floor. Like, these tall point guards are sort of the wave, the sort of, the, not necessarily a trend, because it's literally just what their best fit is right now. You need to use what your best your best vision, your best capabilities are against and, and exploit it against the, the defenses. If you're taller, shoot over them. If you're taller, pass over them. Use your vision 
And that's what a lot of times, you know, where dealer would get his best passes, you know, he'd find those little openings, you know, over, he'd be able to see over a guy like a DJ Augustine, who's barely six foot two. And I feel like, you know, if obviously they're two of the tallest guards in the league, when you're talking about floor generals, you know, obviously playing against Ben Simmons is going to be a completely different uh, thing going forward. And being in the Eastern Conference in the same division, they're going to see each other a lot. So that's certainly going to be a, a fun little tidbit going forward But as well. But Nick, finally, what do you want from Karis Levert next season? Is it, uh, you can give me numbers, you can give me uh, just little uh, skill set improvements, you can give me, um, you can give me anything. What, what do you want to see from, from your boy going forward? I mean, I just want to see, number one thing I want to see Karis have a healthy season, you know, play all year, not have to really deal with any injuries. I think that's very important, obviously. I want to see him polish his game like we talked about, you know, jumper, improve that a little bit, get a little bit higher percentages, take some better shots, you know, cut out some of the pull-ups, work on your pull-up three, because at the end of last season, you did a lot of work with Jock Vaughn, and you saw him improve in that area. Tighter handle. I think he has some very nice moves, like he has the potential to create the space that sometimes he's a little bit... Uh, I just his handles just yeah like a little careless almost so just get a little tighter with that like we said the cuts to the rim I think this is an area for the Nets in general just the off ball movement keep that high especially when guys like Joe Harris and Alan Crabb are probably going to get more respected three point line this year it's going to open up the paint a little bit more especially when the Nets play so small the time and like we said that teardrop that floater possibly add that to your game a little bit defensively is where I want to see him really pick it up. I think, you know, show us that you can be an elite defender. Get that positioning on point. Do your homework studying-wise. Like you said, get rid of some of those stupid fouls. Fully engaged all the time. More consistency. And I haven't really been giving numbers, but I'll give numbers for Karis because I just am obsessed with him for some reason. Don't ask me why. (laughs) Um, uh, I think 15 points per game. You know, three-point pickup. I don't think that's crazy to ask. I'd like to see him more uh, closer to 45%. And three-point-wise, I mentioned that 36% number. So maybe 37% from three, maybe even a little closer to 40%. Assist-wise, I'd like to see that probably get over five. The rebounds probably get close to five. The steal number, I think, is okay. You know, you know, it's hard to really, like, ask a guy to get steals. It's not really like they just happen. So yeah. keep that deflection number high, though. I think that's an impressive thing. We talked free throws. You know, four to six a game, I think, would be nice. Free throw percentage is another area, too. Only at 71%. He should be shooting closer to 80. And turnover-wise, 2.2 is not terrible, especially for somebody dealing with the ball a lot. And like you said, our offense is kind of fast-paced. I'd also like to see him get out and transition a little bit more. You know, maybe break away a little bit more, especially if some of the other guys are doing a good job rebounding, because he does have that low-key speed. What he about does. you, Jack? What do you expect? Yeah, I was, gonna, I was literally going to say 15, 5, and 5. Those, that seems like to be a perfect number. Now, obviously, minutes and health are going to be a key thing for him. And I feel like you know, health is the number one thing I just want for our Brooklyn Nets for one freaking season. Um, you know, I don't want to see like you know any long-term injuries for our guys. And obviously, with a lot of conditioning going into the offseason, hopefully you, know, you can't stop these freakish injuries, those little ticky-tack injuries, whether they're ankles or, or whatever. But hopefully, you know, we see 70 to 75 games of Chaos Levert. And from that, we can make a really sort of informed sort of, you know, prediction going forward for him. What is his, you know, ceiling? I, I feel like it's going to be a, a huge season for so many of our guys, and especially your guy, uh, Karis Levert. But guys, thank you, as always, for tuning in for, obviously, comprehensive Nets coverage. Make sure you're subscribing to us on iTunes, following us on Blog Talk Radio, and obviously, subscribe to the OTG Outlet, JBT, so many of the other, um, so many other podcasts on that uh, po- podcast network. Make sure you subscribe to them. Follow OTG Basketball on Twitter at the OTG, at OTG Nick, at the JMNJBT. And as always, Nicholas, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, Jack, as always. And catch Jack and I tomorrow. Jack's going to be filling in for Corey doing the Game 3 recap of the Eastern Conference Finals. So give that a listen, too. I'll do my best.